Today on Bruce Springsteen Sees the Alphabet, Jason Isbell on the 400 Unit, Part 2. You're listening to Bruce Springsteen Sings the Alphabet, the only podcast on the internet where we talk about Jason Isbell and the 400 unit in alphabetical order, except Not, we're doing it in yeah. uh, number order now. So The only, the only the right podcast order. on the internet d- does this one thing, except we don't actually do this one thing. We do it differently. <laughs> yeah, we're doing another thing, because so it's there, season three, and we're talking about Jason Isbell and his career, song by song. Album by album. Album by album. Yes, yes, yes. Normally, we uh, talk about Bruce Springsteen. Yeah. Uh, by the way, before we get started, we should probably say, like, sorry we didn't drop a new episode last week. We were a bit, I'm, I'm going to say, I'm going to use a little pun, I'm going to say under the weather. <laughs> yeah, we are snowed in, if you will. Yeah, I live in Texas, and I don't know if you heard, Texas <laughs> got a bit of a snowstorm, and we learned quite a lot about our power grid. Did not know most of the things I learned last week about the Texas power grid. Yeah, my brother was... Uh... On the downtown Houston grid, you know, Joel, Joe Olstein's grid. So, so he oh. was like the one, his, he was running a hostel in his apartment. Like <laughs> he was the one, uh, you know, apartment complex that had powered the whole time. Or whatever, he was so. a reci- along with Joel Osteen, a recipient of the Lord's favor. Yes. <laughs> and when I say but the Lord, I mean, some Greg of Abbott. his friends were recipients of the Lord's favor. Yeah. yeah. Uh, turns out our Senator, uh, also took a took a little little fun fun little trip to Cancun. I loved all the people who were like, "What'd you expect them to do?" And then everyone replied with what every other politician, even ones not from Texas, were doing for Texas. Yeah, like maybe something uh, that Beto was doing, or something that AOC was yeah. doing, or yeah. you know, or even he could have done what John Cornyn did, which was nothing. But at least John Cornyn didn't <laughs> make the news for fleeing the state for a warmer climate, <laughs> flying south for the winter. Ugh, I just. Man, Ted Cruz is the worst kind of... Also, he's going to try to run for president, and he was born in Canada to an American mother. Yep. So, like, <laughs> what about all that birtherism shit? Look, man, there there is no there is no <laughs> bottom to the hypocrisy that is Ted Cruz. I just can't Texas get past Trump. it. Anyway, anyway. Anyway, so, yeah, we were, we, we were without power Monday through Thursday at our house. Um, and we were under a boil water notice for a while. So t- the the time frame within which we would normally have been recording a podcast was shot. So uh, we, we took yeah. a week off. <laughs> and while I had a lot more than a lot of people, I was uh, for like nine days or something. Like for four of those days, my wife was at the hospital. For a few, she was sick. Um, I had like <laughs> both of my kids... <laughs> in the house because it wasn't snow it was ice here it was like a it was like a foot of ice on the ground and i live on a hill like a really steep hill <laughs> so even when they brought out the snow plows like there's nothing i could do <laughs> so uh while i had power and heat and it was wonderful and i have some great memories of my kids like that was it that was all i could do it was like play play-doh watch rainbow ruby <laughs> it was like zero degrees <laughs> you know why you had power and heat because you're not on the stupid texas power grid yeah, Texas is the only state in the country our... that has its own power grid because we didn't want to be regulated. Well, guess what? Turns out regulation maybe not such a bad thing after all. A hey, Rick Perry. That's right. We 
we learned about my power grid, uh, my wonderful Southern Socialist power grid, in a previous episode. Yes, we did. I thank God for the TVA. <laughs> I do thank God for the TVA for all those. And I thank God for Tupelo Power and Light and Public Works. They did an incredible job. We didn't even flicker in town. Man, that's great. We flickered. And, uh, we <laughs> we lose power regularly to squirrels. <laughs> so, oh, I remember. Didn't a cat chase a bird or something into your power grid one time? Yeah, we have a lot of animals that chase animals into our power grid and every time it goes out i have a buddy who tweets anybody see my cat <laughs> oh that's funny um so so we had that to deal with but we also you were mentioning before we started recording that you wanted to make mention of the fact that bruce uh had a had an arrest that uh was in the news last week yeah i mean it feels like it was, some of it was overblown but it was a broken law and he had to pay a fine and you know we're you know, we're super critical of a lot of people. I don't want to ever be uh, considered uh, too biased one way or the other. So, you know, like, even if you just have a couple shots of Patron, like, give it a second before you go on your bike, you know. So Yeah. Anyway, but. Yeah, it turns um, out that the legal limit is .08. He was at .02. And um, he was, the, the the only thing he ended up having to plead guilty for and, and pay a fine for was, um, he, he was drinking in a closed park where up until three years ago, three years ago in the state of New Jersey, it was legal to drink inside in that one particular park. But Bruce, when, when Bruce, or somewhere around Bruce's 68th birthday, the state of New Jersey decided that it was no longer legal to drink in that park. And Bruce has lived there his whole life. So you can forgive a guy for forgetting where it is and isn't allowed to drink to drink especially when you're bruce springsteen and you're allowed to pretty much do anything you want to anywhere you want to you know? right so uh yeah then he got on and to bike. be fair i carried uh i carried banned uh a banned substance or two into a state park uh not that long ago so you know i mean it happens to the best of us let let's be let's be real for, i mean like you said he broke the law. Most, not most okay. people drink at state parks. No, I was gonna say it takes it takes most rock stars not quite so long until their seventy first birthday to get yeah. arrested for substance abuse. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like Bruce Bruce has been a rock star his whole life. He's never, never been in trouble for like wild, reckless behavior r- related to substances. And now during a pandemic, he is not on tour. He is old. He is old. He's an old man. He is a senior citizen. And all of a sudden now he's like, I'm going to get crazy with tequila. <laughs> yeah. I, I love also there there was so, someone reported that because he had to show up, he had to show up to his trial on Zoom. And he's uh, and the judge asks him over over the Zoom at the end of it. He, they, they drop all the charges except for the like drinking in the, in the park. And he has to pay a five hundred and forty dollar fine. And the judge asks him. How long do you think it will take you to pay that fine? And Bruce, straight face, says, I think I could take care of that right now. <laughs> Bruce Springsteen's got the scratch to cover that $540 fine. I, lo- I thought it was kind of funny and a little bit out of taste on the first episode of him and Barack Obama's new podcast on Spotify, which is great. Um, Not according to Lori Pierce. Yikes. <laughs> I know, right? Dr. Pierce off the top rope. <laughs> I love having a, a fierce defender in our corner. I do too. I love that there's at least one person out there who thinks we're better at this than Bruce Springsteen. Yeah. So uh, yeah. All right. Thank you, Lori. All of a sudden, like I say, all of a sudden has been and will continue to be one of my favorite listeners. But uh, I, the first thing Bruce Barack was like, "You got a bottle of whiskey here?" And Bruce is like, "Yes, yeah, if you need it, you know, it's right there." You know? <laughs> 
And I was like, oh, okay, okay. But this is that was recorded long before the arrest, I think. Yeah, it's m- m- maybe a thing that hasn't aged so well. I wonder if they were recording today, would Bruce make a joke about, like, when you need the whiskey? I loved uh, in the podcast, Brock goes, so, uh, Bruce, what's your uh, favorite protest song? And Bruce goes, just immediately, he goes, public enemy, fight the power. <laughs> and that was just a fun, like, moment. <laughs> Which goes to prove, Bruce knows everything about me. Like, right off the top of his head, he thinks public enemy, p- fight the power, you know? like Yeah, and then Brock said R-E-S-P-C-T, which is, uh, he was like, a lot of people don't think it's a, uh, a, um... I wasn't trying to do my impression of him. I was going to say, are you actually saying a protest um, song, or are you being Barack Obama? I I, I was actually saying, um, he's like, a lot of people don't think it's a protest song, but you know, that's what she's singing about, and uh, I love it. Interesting. It was a fun podcast. I've not actually started listening to it. Lori put me off of it. I was I was going to start, and then Lori told me it was bad, so I was like, nah. Who? uh, I have to give the who which listener was a shout out because they tweeted at us. About it. I can't remember who it was. Uh, oh, man. His name's not on his Twitter account. Mr. T on Twitter. Oh, I can't pronounce his name. It's Tillichivist or something like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. He sent it to us, and I immediately, as soon as I saw that tweet, I was just like, play. And I went for a run, and it was great. I am going to catch up with it. I just haven't. Yeah. Um, now it was like the first day the snow melted, and it was great. I went for a run. The sun was it was seventy degrees. <laughs> nice, wild ass weather. Anyway, it's so wild. do you want to talk about Jason Isbell? Yeah. So we are continuing. This is part two. If if I'm, I'm sure the episode title has already tipped you off to what we're talking about. So in our last episode, previously two weeks ago, we started a conversation about Jason Isbell's 2009 album, Jason Isbell and the 400 Unit by Jason Isbell and the 400 Unit. So we talked about the first half of that album all the way up to the, the track six, which is Coda. And we talked about how that sort of is a like a, a, like it's almost like he made two albums in one and Coda is is the break between those two albums. So now we're going to continue our discussion of that album today and we're going to get right into it with track number seven, which is called The Blue. Don't roll away that stone, girl. think he's coming home but you know it's not today I think the road will break me never fill the hole and we got some John Mayer guitar intro going on here yes it's so nice but before that we have some Steve Jordan you know who played with John Mayer style drums coming in that are just so so nice are you liking this does this song do it for you those drums in the beginning with the organ in the back yeah i mean do you like it i like it pretty well like for the most part the this this half of this album is not my favorite of jason's work it's good there's some good stuff here i it's just i don't respond to it as strongly as i do most of his other work i might like this more than the first half really there's a couple of real good gems on here for a few reasons, and we'll talk about them. I, I really like the lyrics of this. Yeah. Um, and I really love, I really love that drums and and just the drums on this whole record are sort of um, complicated without being complex, if that makes sense. Uh huh. Like they're really simple, but kind of 
like they're, they're not simple, but they're really bass. Like it's not, he doesn't use a lot of drums, you know, he does a lot more with just a snare than a lot of folks do with a full kit. And this is not the current 400 unit drummer, correct? Right. This is, um, oh, we talked about this last week. Yeah. I don't have my notes from the last time with me with the personnel on it. So let me, let me, should, do we need to know this or can we just refer I, back? I don't think we need to know. You can refer back. And we talked about the personnel, yeah, the, the only personnel, the only, the only members of the 400 unit on this album that continue to be are the keyboard player, uh, Derry DeBorha and, yeah, Derry um, and, Jimbo Hart, the bass player. Yeah, Jimbo Hart on the bass. Yeah, and the, and the rest, the rest of the personnel are are different than the current four. And I think Jimbo player. had been like in and out with him for a long time. Oh, is that right? I think I could be wrong. I mean, this is the first time he, Jimbo shows up in the credits of of any of right, the, of the stuff. But, but they're just like I think they've been around with each other. Is what I mean. That makes sense. Well, I mean, up until now, playing together. Up up until this album, Jason has pretty much been recording with drive like people in the drive by truckers orbit. Yeah. Because I'm pretty sure Derry's not from um, the Shoals, but but um, no, Jimbo is. he's yeah, Derry's from somewhere else. I can't. Re- he he always says he's like from Greenville or something. Yeah, I can't remember. But he all like anytime if you ever go see if we ever go to concerts again if you ever go see Jason Isbell in the 400 unit he 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 goes out of his way to say where Derry is from because Derry is because he always he always opens the show or he always introduces the band by saying we're Jason Isbell in the 400 unit we're from Muscle Shoals, Alabama, for the most part. And anytime he goes to, to Derry, he he points. I think it's Derry. He always point. He always yeah. makes a note. Derry's that not from. He's Derry's not, not from the Shoals. Yeah, he's he's the guy who's not from the Shoals. Yeah. So anyway, so this song, the blue. You mentioned you like the lyrics. It it sounds. This is a song. He sounds like he's trapped in a cycle. He's worried that if he stops doing the things that are killing him, it will diminish his ability to do the things he's good at. Like where he says, "Every time I'm saved, I uh, I stop beating out a soul." You know what? You know what I mean. Like, yeah. like there's there there are things that are expected of him, but and every time he, he develops like healthier patterns, it diminishes his ability to be good at the thing that he's good at. So it's it's almost so, like so I've I've ripped this song off completely uh, before. Like uh, about I had a cre- a song about sort of like creativity and 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 like booze, and it was like I'm cloudy when I use it, I'm foggy when I don't. Mm. And but I forgot the first lyric is I have it somewhere. Anyway, I stole it from this song. Oh wow! And just re- changed it. Yeah. So so that I, I mean, is is that what you hear too? Like just basically like I, I, I do this because I'm afraid of who I am without it. Like I I yeah I'm I, scared to ask the right questions. I'm tired to fill the right shoes. So I'll take advantage of the blues. I'll take advantage of the blue. Yeah yeah yeah. That it's funny. I have exactly those lyrics highlighted for exactly the same reason. Yeah. Which it, it almost sounds like this is sort of how depression functions, right? Uh, as well, like it's 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 like it, it's this is a thing that's part of him, and he's afraid of what will happen if he gets better, you know. And yeah. I, um, as as a person who has struggled with mental illness and depression, like that is part of the struggle, which is like you you go on this quest to get better, and I, I can't speak for everyone who's ever been there, but um, for me at least, there there is almost like this weird inherent fear of like, oh my gosh, like if I get rid of this, who, who will I be? You know what I mean? Like it's, yeah. it's this weird fear of it or you know what it's like. There's um, there's a book by CS Lewis called the great divorce. And it's, I'll, oh um, you remember the scene in the great divorce where the great divorce is trippy, but it's basically like about a group of people who are in their own sort of devised version of hell. And mm. one of the people has like this monster who lives on his shoulder and like this angel comes along and offers to get rid of the monster and the guy won't let him do it. 
even though he knows like his life will be better without the monster. And I, I and Lewis is clearly get, like getting at like habits and addiction and um, you know negative patterns and like all, all this the, like basically a hell of our own creation. And I think that's what the song is kind of getting at as well. Yeah, you know. Well, um, so I have this uh, this stanza that I keep trying to put in different songs that I wrote right after I got sort of my meds right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was scared that I'd lose my edge on meds, that feeling good meant falling in line. Like that line, that feeling good meant falling in line. Yeah. It's something that resonates with me because like when I'm healthy, I can create, you know, nine to five and I can come home and hang out with my kids and, you know, like (laughs) it's still possible. Yeah. But it's, it's when you're not well, it's so hard to see. And I think it's especially true with like creatives and manic depressives and like that sort of, yeah, it's insane. And that, I think that's, a, this is the line, um, I'll crawl to meet you if you just stay there. Mm, yeah. Is to me like, I, and I think that's not just like, you know, depression and addiction. That's like debt, you know, that's anything. That's like your to-do list. <laughs> yeah, for real. Like, you just know, so like, long as it doesn't get I swear get to God, if we could just, yeah, like if we could just stop the day and let me Finish the shit. I'll be caught up. We'll be good. We'll be fine. Like, if you just quit getting better for a week, man, just let me, like, get my thoughts together, and I'll be good, too. Yeah. You know? Yeah, man. So, so the the blue, then, is, um, is, is sort of that, uh, that space. Like, the, like... Well, yeah, it's the, like, I'll sink into the blues, like, the music, the moaning, I'll sink into the blue, the depression, the cloud. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I guess that's why he calls this song The Blue. Yeah, I think this is a great song. That was a Elton John reference for anybody oh, out there who sorry. wanted it. That's all right. That's all right. I don't. I should know more about Elton John than I do. Everyone should know more about Elton John than they do. Everyone. Anyway, so uh, Jason does not play this song very much, uh, but it has been in a few set lists. It shows up every once in a while. The most recent performance of the song was at the Ryman in Nashville on October the twenty fifth. 2019 and anytime i read a, a set list date 2019 are that's pretty much the most recent set list with with a handful of 2020 exceptions yeah um live music pretty much stopped happening in march of 2020 so so 2019 is pretty recently for this uh for this song to be in a set list i tried so hard to um get to that show <laughs> at the ryman yeah, he did a whole run. In fact, we're gonna see this show up every a couple of times. He did, I guess, he did three nights at the Ryman, October twenty second, twenty third, and twenty fifth. Yeah, it was it was a weekend. Yeah, um, so we we're, had just gone to see uh, Boy Genius, or we had gone to see Julian Baker and Phoebe Bridgers, and um, oh my gosh, what's her name? What's what's the what's the uh, Lucy Dacus? The third Lucy Dacus, yeah. <laughs> She has the best record of the three of them. <laughs> anyway. Uh, whoa, now. Controversial statement. And then, well, look, Stranger in the Alps is great, and so is the new one, but Lucy Dacus is the one that has Night Shift on it. That That's an, it's such an incredible record. Yeah. But, uh, and, like, I, <laughs> I love, we know how much I love Julie Baker. So. Wait, but, do uh, you? Yeah, do you love Julie that was the Baker? First, that was the first night they played as Boy Genius Live, and we saw them at the Ramen. And and then Jason Isbell was like three weeks later, and it was just not, I wasn't going to be able to pull that off. You can't just keep going to Nashville just whenever you want to. Yeah. I think it was like April was working, and there was no way I was going to get to go see them without her <laughs> at the Ramen. <laughs> well, then, after the blue, we have track eight, which is called No Choice in the Matter. 
about this song okay go ahead well i want to hear your thoughts first though sorry I, no i want to hear your thoughts first you're you well you said you've got thoughts i do but you already heard my thoughts a little bit offline but everyone so that want to hear doing your this thoughts. podcast for hasn't heard them right but i want to hear your thoughts now <laughs> and then i can and then i can run back what i said uh, I think it's pretty good. I, it, it, basically, it's about how we lack free will. Um, yeah. W- when when it comes to love and romantic desire, like the key refrain here is "love leaves you no choice in the matter." Um, the heart wants what what the heart wants is basically what the song is. And so so um, so far, and and I mean, well, I could get so that's the song. And like so, if we're, if we're looking at this section, like all the songs that come after the song "Coda," the section of the album feels like it's about how we're prisoners of our own patterns and impulses. Um, yep. And, uh, he has not played the song at all since 2009. That makes sense. Cause I can understand how it doesn't necessarily mean a lot to him. Yeah. But it's got a lot of soul, like genuine, you know, that's something about the shoals, man. That's the one place where like white people have genuine soul, <laughs> <laughs> but like this is real blues and it's got really great horns. And I think this song is like a resume item. It kind of like how on our, um, on our bonus episodes, we've been talking about the Rolling Stone Top 500 list, and sometimes they put a greatest hits record on, not because an artist has one great record or because they really know which one to pick, but because they're just saying, this artist is important, you should check them out. Yeah, yeah. And so, to me, it's kind of like that. It's like, it's like I'm not a, a great blues artist. That's not like my passion, but I can write a blues song that checks all the boxes without being wrote. Mm. Like it can, it can, I can write a blues song that feels like it came from me. And, uh, and so that's what I think it does is like, um, it's just, they nail sort of everything they try to do in this song, except for maybe the sitar. <laughs> <laughs> But having a sitar in the background is sort of as blues as anything else, right? So, <laughs> I mean, maybe somebody came to him at one point and said, like, hey, you're like the George Harrison of the Drive-By Truckers. And he was like, I need me a sitar. And then that's how that happened. So that, yeah, like just the lyrics are really good. Blues song lyrics. They feel personal enough. They fit the theme of the record. The song doesn't fit the theme of the record by any means. Uh-huh. <laughs> like the, uh, musically, but... Yeah. Yeah. I mean, other than that, where it's from, like geographically, it fits. But yeah, Lyr- lyrically, it's it's right in in the center of the bullseye. Like right the, in the pocket. The, the themes here are overtly cohesive with with this this side of the album. Yeah. So so you you see it more as like a like here, here's some proof that I can do blues rather than like a like a good song that you wanna you would want to see in the set list. I don't think he was trying to like put that out there to the world. Like, Hey, I can do blues. Hire me for blues. Like a lot of artists do sort of in their resume songs, but I think he was trying to prove something, I guess. Yeah. Especially, you know, he's from the shoals. Like he's got to prove something. He's got to earn the R E S P E C T. Cause that's where that was recorded. 
I think that's what he does here. And I think he does a really good job. I don't, like, it's not a five-star song, but, like, he really nails it. We haven't been giving ratings to, like, wh- what would you give this song? It's probably a four-star song. Okay. I think I'm a three on this one, on this one particular That one. makes sense. Yeah. Um, I don't hate it, but it, it does, it does very little for me in, in comparison to the rest of them. I, I'm not at all. Yeah, so like, if you were going to ask me like, which, which of these songs do you think he plays the least? Uh, and you told me it was this one, which he, he, the number of times he's played this in his entire career, according to set list, the, the website is, uh, three times. He's played this song three times ever. Yeah. That makes sense. Imagine writing a song, putting it on an album and only ever playing it three times. <laughs> That's crazy. Not only can I imagine that. You've done it. I feel it in my bones. Yeah. Um, I have been in two bands that broke up in the studio. <laughs> wow. I mean, that's I a lot exactly of what that's like. <laughs> that's so crazy to me. It ta- I mean, it takes so much work to, to become a band and to get to the point where you can afford to go into the studio and you have the material that it would require to go in the studio. And then to get all the way there and just be like, we're done. You know what I mean? Like how in the world, like you, you got like halfway to home plate and you, you just done. Yeah. But you have to do so much to support the music that at some point it's like, it's like, let's have this proof. Yeah. Let's have this paper trail, you know, let's sell a few copies of it. Let's break even on it. And let's quit touring. Let's <laughs> go get some health insurance. Yeah. Yeah, man. I, I can understand that for sure. Um, yeah. All right. Well then track number nine then is called Soldiers Get Strange. You want her to try new things She reminds you she wears your ring After a couple drinks She's a little scared A good friend is hard to find You wish you could spend Is this a way higher rating for you? Is this one of the songs that you're pretty into? I like this song a lot. Yeah, it's... Um, what about you? Yeah, I love this. I do too. I think I think this may be the best song on this side of the album. I think the bass tone on this song, and really on this whole album, is like a heating pipe. It's like warm and round, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the only thing I don't like about this is it feels like he puts a lot of breath in between stanzas that contain a single thought. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like, I'm gonna tell you a story, you know, and it's like, that's not something he does a lot. I, that's something I don't notice that he does. He, like, he tells stories so much better in his songs. Like, his, he goes out of his way to just, like, make these really great, you know, hiking trails through his song, through his melodies. And so, um, that's one he thing I'm kind of turned off about on this song. What? Yeah. I said he can write a melody. Yeah. Well, hey, and here's one thing we talked about earlier. I think it was the blue, maybe. Yeah, when you talked about like that that line, you like beating out a soul. He uses that melody and meter again multiple times for that mm. stanza. Interesting. And like, so he's showing that he can write a melody on this record, and he's he's showing like hints of what he's gonna do later. Yeah, you definitely, and not unlike with Sirens of the Ditch, you you definitely start seeing glimpses of the, the Jason as bull of. of uh, Christmas future, you know, like there, there are things, there are things here that he's going to, he's going to hang on to and that he's going to evolve into. And, uh, it's going to become really, really special. Yeah. Um, so- I think thematic, like the, th- the theme and the lyrics here are just 
lights out. This is this is a um, this is a tough song, man. Well, it's funny that you say lights out because I have in my notes that this song reminds me of the Springsteen song "Shut Out the Lights," which is about yeah. a soldier who comes back from from combat and he's different, you know, and he he's struggling with PTSD. And this song is sung from the perspective of a soldier who's returned home. And he says, everybody seems to be afraid of him. Even his wife and his best friends seem like strangers. He says, they're all scared of you. Yeah. And basically his experiences have changed him and he can't relate to people like he used to be able to. Again, not unlike with mental illness. It, uh, it, it, it seems, um, it seems to be about how he feels powerless to govern his own life and his own choices. And he feels like a prisoner in his own skin. You know, I, I love this, uh, this refrain. So it's, it's always, it's not that it's not that. And then it's not the way that her figure has changed. It's just that a soldier gets strained. Yeah. Cause I feel like if something else is wrong in, um, in a relationship, and I think maybe specifically male, female, I don't know from experience otherwise, but like there's this moment where like, if there's something wrong with me, you know, then like my wife might, her first reaction is going to be that it's her. Yeah. You know, is it yes. me? And, and that's, um, that's so vivid, I guess. You hear the argument where they're both trying to not, fight because they're both trying to tell each other it's okay but yeah they're so hurt <laughs> well and his thing is like i can't explain like there's not a there there's not like a, a mechanical way of explaining this it's just soldiers get strange like i i went through I'm something just different now and i'm different yeah and, and it's hard to it, it's hard to put a finger on that it's hard it's hard to dissect that in a, in a way that another person can fully understand and I think the song gets yeah. it. I think the song does a really good job of articulating that it's very difficult to articulate some things. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, and s- sadly, this this song has not been played since 2011. Dang, I know this is a good song. It should be played more. I, I was thinking the same thing. Like it bums me out that, that this one. It to, it was April 2011 in Atlanta was the last time Jason played the song. Which, yeah, man, that's a bummer. I I, I think the song is better than that. I think it deserves. No, I don't. I don't know if it needs to be played every night, but I. I think it certainly deserves to not be retired. Yeah, like a regular poster request situation. Yeah, yeah, totally. So I don't know. You have other thoughts about this one? No, that covers it. All right. So then, track ten is "Streetlights." Where's that angel with dirty knees who wasn't hard to please when we first met? She don't act like she needs me now And she don't even seem to be upset Maybe I cover too much ground I've been from town to town since I grew up Could my dreams take up too much space This is a solid song. Yeah, I like this song. I knew you would. <laughs> I really like the line, Could my dreams take up too much space? We talked about that before the show started. <laughs> yes, we did. Yes, we did. I think so much about how much space I take up, just as a big. Like I was telling Rob, and I saw this uh, this thing on Twitter, and a few of our listeners uh, retweeted it or, or replied with their own. But it was like I'm getting the COVID vaccine because I'm fat. <laughs> yeah. Not because I'm unhealthy. And I was telling Rob, like even when I was like climbing mountains and I was like full, even even when I was bulimic. I was still obese, even though I was like skin and bones, just because I'm like a, a wide, you know, a really wide skeleton. <laughs> and, uh, 
I forgot where I was going with that. Oh my gosh. <laughs> well, the, we were talking oh, about the line. Could space. my dreams take my up too much space? To, yeah, the ideas or the uh, what is it that he says? The what takes up space? Could my dreams take up too dreams. much space? Sorry, yeah. I was trying to find it. I just I just had such a big brain fart. Anyway, You're so fine. yeah, my dreams take up space. Like talking about just like this. So when I realized that about my body, like also my ideas, my voice, like how much space do I? Am I imposing on people? when I don't realize it and like that yeah. my dreams take up space like being in a relationship with a artist who has aspirations of fame is like <laughs> it's a thing <laughs> yeah well and th- this is something carried over from Sirens of the Ditch too right like he's concerned that his artistic ambitions are are crowding out his ability to like relate to people as a, as a human being yeah yeah and then going back to this um this idea of like everybody else is, is getting like, if, if you could just stop, I could crawl to you. Yeah. Like he calls, he calls up, you know, a buddy and you know, you know, he's kind of tired and you know, he's, he's worked real hard and his kids asleep. So he's probably gonna go to bed soon. And his dad's a bit asleep, you know, but it matter cause he owns a place. And <laughs> yeah. And he's just at a bar getting kicked out at last call and too drunk to drive home and glad the streetlights are on. Cause he's, Fucked up. Did you catch the drunk speak in the lyrics where he says, "Think I blocked my, think I blocked just to park away," but I can't really say. <laughs> yeah, I think I blocked just to park away. <laughs> so the sing, like the narrator in the song is drunk and he's lonely. Yeah, and he feels alienated from everyone. Which, by the way, in a Jason Isbell song, anytime somebody's in a, in a bar at last call, never a good sign. That never leads to like. And then I went to my surprise birthday party. You know what I mean? It, <laughs> it's always. And then I went back to the meeting, and and they all forgave me. Yeah, it always ends up with something much worse happening. So what's it? Uh, I don't want to walk, and I'm too drunk to drive. Yeah, man, that's one of those Bruce Springsteen uh, magic tricks. I'm gonna tell you a story about myself, but I'm gonna turn it into a lie to make it more like your story. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. this song is pretty depressing. Uh, and uh, but it's kind of comforting, you know what I mean? Like that sad, comforting kind of way. Yeah, I think so. It's 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 a having a sad day, put it on to listen to kind of song, which again it, it gets back to sort of like the the theme of alienation and um you know it 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 continues to sort of be uh, coherent with the themes of this this side of the album. I will say I have listened to this song on my headphones in Sheffield. Alabama while trying to decide which way to walk. Is that right? <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. It's been years, but it's, it's nice. It's a nice memory. So this song, it gets played, but it's rare. So the, the last time he played this one uh, during that stand at the Ryman also on October the 23rd, 2019. But before that, it was just not that frequently in the set list. So he must have really gone like for that show or for that 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 three night stand. He must have just really gone back into the bag and reached for everything, except yeah. except for soldiers get strange. Weirdly, he didn't Which play that. Would have been great. Yeah, he should have. Um, but he did play Streetlights on the second night of that three night stand. Yeah. So, so we've got Streetlights, and then in track eleven, the final song on the official track list is called "The Last Song I Will Write." I think he ended up writing more songs. Yeah. 
he definitely seems to be in a bad place while he's writing these songs. I think I think Jason is probably not in a great headspace emotionally, like mentally, just all all, all the things. I think Jason is not at his best. Um, right while he's writing these songs. And I think it's coming out on the page. I think he's writing very honestly, which I admire. Um, but this song right here, I think the song is about escape. He, he, he seems to think, at least in the narrative of the song, that if he can stop writing songs, then he can escape the toxic cycle. The theme of this side of the album is like he's help, he's, he's, he's stuck in a cycle and he's powerless against it. He is, he is a prisoner of his own, like in his own cage. And this song is about like, maybe if I stop writing songs, then I'll just be a better human being. You know what I mean? Well, he thinks that songs require life, like require sadness. Yes. You have to live to write, which is a thing that I think a lot of young creatives think. Yeah. I think maybe all young creatives think. This song is saying like, okay, maybe if I quit driving the car, I won't have to put gas in. I quit having to live these sad, sad experiences to write about them. Like if I just quit writing. Yeah. When in reality, like, there's plenty of stuff to write about. Which his latter day work shows that. Not and not only yeah. that, but he's actually better at this when he's, um, when he's healthy. Yeah, he is. Well, allegedly he was less, a little bit less than healthy on the last record, and it was really good. <laughs> well, yeah, less than healthy, but but not not in not in this way. Not on a bender. <laughs> he's, he was just emotionally a little distraught. He's not he's not streetlights level. Yeah. Um so but what what I I find really interesting the the, the construction of this song is really interesting to me because the the whole song is about how if he can just stop writing songs then he'll be better and he comes to what sounds like the end of the song but then instead of ending there's a very long like explosions in the sky style outro here and it's like he yeah. physically cannot stop writing the song it's like he said he is the opposite of writer's block it's like he is trapped in the writing of this one song and he cannot stop writing and the song. That slide guitar is like sad. Is so sad, but so it's got so like sad. Usually doesn't feel energetic, <laughs> right? That this guitar solo is like sad with a purpose. Yeah, it is. It's good. It's like sad with caffeine. It's like explosions in the sky. Yeah, I don't think of explosions in the sky as sad. I think of it as like contemplative. That's yeah. That's probably better. Which yeah. is contemplative is a, you know, it's it's like a second cousin to sad in a musical styling. Sure, yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, and then uh, he, in fact, doesn't quit writing songs. No, we got one more. I think this. I think the last song I'll write probably should have been the last song in the album. Wait, are you talking about when my baby's beside me? Yeah. That, this is not his song. Oh, this is a cover. This is a, this is a cover. It's a big That's star cover. This is a big star from number one album. We just talked about this album. Oh, yes. So and I listened to it so much last week. <laughs> 
I don't do. Uh, yeah. All right. Cool. All right. So yeah, this is a bonus track. So the last song I will write was the the last song on the album proper. Then there's a re-release which included the this bonus track, which is a cover of a Big Star song. It's a good cover. It's a faithful cover. It basically sounds exactly like the original. I love that Jason Isbell is a Big Star fan. Of course, Jason Isbell is a Big Star fan. I'm very happy about this. Sadly, he has only played this song three times live ever. Yeah. Not since 2010 in Athens, Georgia, has he played the song. And I, for one, think that that is an outrage. And if I ever, well, it's like he should another... play it more live than we listen to it on the record. You know what I mean? Like we have the big star recording. I don't care. I want to hear the new. I want to hear the. So current... let's hear him play it live. <laughs> yes. I if I ever get to go to another Jason Isbell show, I want to make a poster and I want to request if when my baby's beside me. I freaking love this song. JB, am I getting the impression that you don't love this song? No, I like this song. I didn't say like. I said love. Do you love this I, song? Dude, I love number one record. This is great. I think it's a great song. I love the song. I, what I'm saying is like, we have, this is great. Big Star wrote it. Their version's better. And this one's very faithful. It's not like super different, right? Right. And so what I'm saying is like, he's only played it live three times. Yes. But we can listen to it whenever we want on a recording, but we're going to probably listen to the Big Star version instead. Why don't why don't he he should play it live more is what I'm saying. Like we have a recorded version, Jason. We need a live we need to hear it we need to hear it every third night. I, I very much agree with what you're saying. I, I think I think he definitely needs a, we need a live recording. Next time he plays the Ryman, I think it is his moral duty to per, to perform at least one big star album or one big star song. I said album. Oh dude, if he did a big star album for album I mean song for song number one album. Oh my god. Like like uh, oh my god Benjamin Gibbard did of Bandwagon esque yes yes would that not be the best a big star tribute album by Jason Isbell in the four hundred unit yes yes indeed that would be the best by the way he's in the studio right now recording songs written um, and recorded by artists from Georgia because he promised on Twitter that if Georgia oh, went yeah. blue in the election that he would record an album of all Georgia or origin yeah. songs and now he's doing it the world just did keeps you see that- better. Death Cab did that, and they <laughs> and they did uh, Waterfalls. No, by TLC. No, but that's great. Oh, it's great. They do REM and TLC, and I think they do B Fifty Twos. I don't remember who else they did. They, it's like four songs. Ooh, they didn't do Five Eight, so I was bummed about that. But well, I'll have to go find that. That I bet that sounds it's, really good. It's, I mean, it's Georgia, but it's it, they mostly do Athens. <laughs> well, I mean, when you're talking about oh, Georgia, I think they might do a. Uh, they probably do a, a uh, Outcast song. Okay. I'm trying to remember which one. Uh, anyway, it's great. It's great. So I, I enjoy that there is audible confirmation out there that Jason Isbell is a big star fan. I agree with you that this song needs to be played. This this needs to be a live staple for Jason Isbell in the 400 unit. I demand it. If I ever go to another show, I'm going to maybe make a sign. I'm going to do something. I'm going to try and get Jason's attention somehow. And I'm going to be like, look, man, I don't ask for much. Uh, but I would really love to hear you guys do when my baby's beside me immediately. Yeah. And that's that all I have to say about that. That would be killer. Yeah. Because when I'm listening to Jason Isbell in the 400 unit, I don't worry. Nope. Or when my JB's beside me. <laughs> I feel like when your JB's beside you, you worry just a, just, just a little bit more. Nope, I don't. <laughs> that felt like a lie. <laughs> <laughs> Look, it, it doesn't work if, if I have to say, like... When my JB's beside me, I worry a little bit. 
it it doesn't it doesn't flow the same. It doesn't have the same rock. What about when kids. my JB's beside me? I worry about most things less, but some things a little bit more. <laughs> when my JB's beside me, all I know, I can't remember what he says after that. Anyway, it's a great song. I love it. Um, any, final thoughts on this album, JB? It's good, man. It's it's a it's definitely an arrow pointing to what they're gonna do after he kind of figures some shit out. If you could only let let's say let let's say we're we're having a contest and you could only keep one of the first two Jason Isbell albums, do you keep this or do you keep Sirens of the Ditch? Ooh, it's a tough call, mm. isn't it? I think I keep. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I think I probably keep Sirens of the Ditch. I think I have to agree with you. Just just buy yeah. a hair. I I I don't Brandy know. Brandy kind of actress down in a whole Chicago promenade, dress blues. Yeah, I but between Chicago promenade and dress blues, but between those two songs, that I think that's what clinches it for me. Yeah. Yeah. It's close though. It's close. Mm-hmm. So uh we may have to keep doing that up, up until we get to southeastern cuz when I think what, that is one the 400 unit won't May have more like three and four star songs, but I think that it doesn't really have a five star. And Sirens of the Ditch has a couple five star songs. I think Cigarettes and Wine is a five star song. That's just me, though. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I agree with you. Yeah. Um. Yeah, man. So I, I, I think I have to agree with you about Sirens of the Ditch. If I, if I can only keep one or the other, yeah, I think, I, I think Sirens of the Ditch is the right call. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So that is it for us on Jason Isbell and the 400 Unit, their 2009 self-titled album. Uh, if uh, you want to join us over on our Patreon feed, we're going to continue talking about the Rolling Stone Top 500 Albums list. And if not, that's cool, too. On our next episode, we're going to be talking about Jason Isbell's third album, which is called Here We Rest. And we'll be talking about that next time. And uh, JB... You want to tell people where they can find you? We, we almost never do this, but I figure, like, why not? Oh, yeah, you can find me at Letters Clark. Um, and on Twitter. we are um, um, alphabeticalspringsteen.com or patreon.com slash springsteen if you want to get some bonus content. Yeah. And I'm Rob Carmack. I'm at Rob Carmack on Twitter, and you can find me there. I, I mostly tweet musical preferences and whatnot, but, you know, whatever. Um, some other things every once in a while. And, uh, yeah, so that, that's it for us. And if you want to join us over on the Patreon feed, you can. And if not, we'll see you next time when we talk about Here We Rest. So until then, I'm Rob. That's JB. I'm JB. Who is beside me in Mississippi. And I don't worry. And we'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.